Well, as Liz said, my name is Josh, and uh, I come from Asheboro, North Carolina, home of the NC Zoo. So it's good to be with y'all today. Um, I work there in Asheboro as a prison chaplain. I am an ordained minister in the Wesleyan Church, and I've pastored a church before, done a lot of different kinds of ministries, and for the past five years, I've served as a, um, as a chaplain there at Randolph Correctional Center, which is a minimum security prison. So I have a really interesting job. It's a fun job. I enjoy it most days, which I think is the most that, that we can ask for. It's a fulfilling thing, too. So I'll share some about that today as I get into the message. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open to, or if you have it on your phone, to James chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 22 through 25 in James chapter 1. And I know that you're really not supposed to have favorite books in the Bible. You might know that. But I have one anyway. And James is, at least I'll say, one of my favorite books. Because um, as you'll see this morning, I, I am who I am. I like to tell people up front, I am a... I'm going to spin this throughout this. I'm sorry, y'all. It's going to be... It's too tempting not to do that. The lazy Susan. I am a lifestyle preacher. And God has given me uh, permission and clearance, I think, to preach in a certain way. I try to keep things simple and sometimes direct because I think the way that we live here upon this earth uh, is of vast importance. And sometimes we can focus so much on where we live after we die that we forget that where we live after we die has a whole lot to do with how we live before we die. And God cares immensely about how we conduct ourselves here upon this earth, as it was said in the prayer, we forget that Jesus prayed that, that God's kingdom would come here on the earth as it is in heaven. Okay. So just wanted to let you know that I'm also a tree hugger. And that's probably going to come out today too. So I just want to be, I like being up front. Okay. All right. James chapter one, verses 22 through 25. Do not deceive yourselves by merely listening to his word. Instead, put it into practice, or other translations say, be doers of the word. Whoever merely listens to the word but does not do it is like a man who looks in a mirror and sees himself as he is. He takes a good look at himself and then goes away at once and forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks closely into the perfect law... That sets people free, who keeps on paying attention to it and does not simply listen and then forget it, but puts it into practice. That person will be blessed by God and what he does. I'll give you a little bit of background here on, on James, since this is perhaps my favorite book in the Bible. Anybody know who James was? Somebody said it over here. He was Jesus' brother. James was the brother of Jesus who came to be the leader of the church in Jerusalem. James was not a follower of Jesus during the lifetime of Jesus, which is really interesting. We see, I mean, can you imagine if any of you in here have brothers? I have two older brothers. I'm the youngest of three. If your brother decided one day that he was going to start calling himself the Messiah and gathering disciples around him, how many of you would believe that he was the Messiah? So we kind of give James a pass on that. James did not recognize Jesus as the Messiah during his lifetime. But as the story goes that when Jesus was crucified and he 
rose from the grave, there was a series of appearances. It wasn't just one appearance, but there was a series of appearances that he made over the course of about 40 days. And one of the first people that he went to was James. So imagine again, you have a brother. He declares he's the Messiah. You don't believe that. He dies. He raises from the grave. Then he appears to you. So now I'm convinced, right? So James is extremely convinced, and it, it, it seems that he was a devout person beforehand. And so now Jesus appears to him. He's convinced that this man, who's his brother, is the Messiah. And James becomes not just a follower of Jesus, but James actually becomes the leader of the followers of Jesus. So if you read between the lines in the book of Acts, and especially if you focus on places like Acts chapter 15, you will see stalwarts in the Christian faith, like Paul and Peter and John deferring to James. And if there's a big decision to be made in the church, they all have their opinion, but James gets the final say. That's huge. And we know from studying his life that he goes on to be the leader of the church for about 40 years before persecution really breaks out and the Jerusalem church is essentially scattered. James speaks at length about the necessity of good works. This is why some people really don't like the book of James. In fact, Martin Luther, who's the great reformer uh, who really started the Protestant church, tried to get the book of James removed from Scripture. Because some people think he just talks too much about good works. But I'll put myself on the line and say this. Any presentation of the gospel, which means good news, okay, Any presentation of the good news that does not include good works is not really good news. We're not saved by our good works, but we're we're saved for good works. We're saved by His good work. And then He empowers us. And this, this life of good works is not a burden. It's a relief. Because it's the way that we're supposed to live. In an abiding relationship with God, yielding to Him, filled by His Spirit, empowered to obey Him. This is how God called us to live. So he speaks at length about the necessity of good works, of putting our faith into action, the importance of righteous living. James presents to us the religion of Jesus. Now y'all hang with me, okay? Too often Christianity can become just a religion about Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with having a religion about Jesus because Jesus is eminently worthy of that. But often it can become just a religion about Jesus and no longer the religion that Jesus himself preached and practiced. Which really was a prophetic form of Judaism. By emphasizing faithfulness and not just faith. And this is again why some people don't like James. Because he doesn't just emphasize faith. Although he does do that. But he also emphasizes the necessity of faithfulness. James carries on the movement that his brother began. The Christianity that James presents to us is not just about hearing. It's not just about believing, although it is about those things, but it is also about doing. And y'all, in case y'all didn't know what you were getting into when you became a Christian, Christianity is about doing. It's about living your life in a certain way. It's about conducting yourself in a certain way. It matters how you live. It matters how you talk to people. It matters the conversations that you have. It matters how you spend your time. God, y'all, He really is. 
He doesn't just care about the big stuff. He cares about the small stuff because he knows that the small stuff adds up. And he knows that in the small things, he really finds our motive. So a few observations about this. Y'all still with me? All right. Okay. The first thing is this. Hearing only counts if you put it into action. So all of us, I believe, because God is everywhere, because God is constantly speaking, what I believe is this. God has spoken to every person, but not every person has listened to God. God is always speaking, really. But we're just not always listening. And here's the deal. We don't get credit just for hearing. If we hear, sometimes we're like, yes, I heard that. And then we think, that's it. That's not it. If you don't put what you hear into action, you don't get credit just for hearing. Anybody have kids? I've got two awesome kids. I've got one that just turned 12. And I've got one who's nine. A girl and a boy. And, uh, and sometimes I'll tell them to do things. Like, for instance, I might walk in their rooms. And sometimes I walk in my son's room and it looks like a clothes bomb went off. And there is just stuff everywhere. Then I walk in my daughter's room and she has a ceiling fan. And it looks like, I know she didn't do this, but it looks like she just threw everything that she owned into the ceiling fan. And everything is scattered everywhere. And so my wife and I will say... You need to clean your room. Y'all need to go to your rooms and you need to clean your room. Okay? Ten minutes later, you come back, you walk into rooms, the rooms look possibly worse than they did when you just told them ten minutes ago to clean their room. And so I'll say, hey, I just told y'all to clean your room. And, And what they'll say is this. We heard you the first time. And my response to that is... I can't tell. I can't tell that you heard me the first time. Because even though you heard me say clean your room, you have not actually done it. You heard what I said, but I can't tell that you heard what I said because you did not actually do what I asked you to do. And so it is in our relationship with God. That all of us have heard God speak. And sometimes God, He's relentless with us, really. And I'm so glad He is. That He doesn't just tell us something one time. But He keeps coming after us. He's persistent. And so He'll he'll tell us that same thing again. And we'll say, I heard you the first time. And God's response is, I can't tell. I can't tell you heard me the first time. Because you didn't do what I asked you to do. And understand this too. That anything that God asks us to do, God gives us the power to do. He empowers us to be obedient. He gives us what we need to do it. Therefore, we have no excuse. We've all heard from God. But if we've not been obedient to what we've heard, He can't tell. And I'll add this too. The more you resist God's voice the more faint his voice becomes. I don't think, I hope that you never get to a place where you just can't hear him at all, but it becomes almost natural for us to just ignore him after a time. And that's a scary place to be because then what God's got to do is soften our heart because it takes a humble and soft heart to hear God. And that's somebody who's responsive to him, who does what he's asking us to do, even if it sounds weird 
even if it leaves us out there on our own, God has this expectation of obedience. So James says we must be doers of the word. What does it mean to be a doer of the word? I want to read a few passages that, that again, are very straightforward, that show us what it means. The first comes from an Old Testament prophet by the name of Micah. And this is from Micah chapter 6. And I'm going to read verses 6 through 8 of Micah chapter 6. Again, think about this. What is it that God wants us to do? You know, what God wants us to do is uh, it's not always easy, but it is always simple. And that's really what I love about the straightforwardness of how Jesus taught, is that the stuff he asks us to do is really, really difficult, but it's really simple at the same time. I mean, loving your enemy is simple. I know what that means. That requires no explanation, but it is extremely hard to do. And that's why we need God to help us. And here Micah is saying this. What shall I bring to the Lord, the God of heaven, when I come to worship him? Shall I bring the best calves to burn his offerings before him? Will the Lord be pleased if I bring him thousands of sheep or endless streams of olive oil? Shall I offer him my firstborn child to pay for my sins? No, the Lord has already told us what is good. What he requires of us is this, to do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. Justice, another word for fairness, mercy and humility. That's simple. It's not easy because society pushes us in the opposite direction, but it's simple. To do what is just, to show constant love, and to live in humble fellowship with our God. Jesus makes it even more simple. Let me read this from Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. As if the uh, Ten Commandments weren't simple enough. This is how Jesus summarizes those in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. He says, Do unto others what you would want them to do unto you. What we call the golden rule. This is the meaning of all the law of Moses and of everything that the prophets spoke. To do unto others what you want others to do unto you. This is what it means to be a doer of the word. That's simple. The world tells us to treat other people the way they treat us. And we feel justified in doing that sometimes. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said treat other people the way you want to be treated. Whether they treat you that way or not. You know how you want to be treated. And I think pretty much all of us want to be treated in the same way. The way that you want others to treat you, treat them. Treat them with kindness, with generosity, hospitality, forgiveness. Even if initially they don't treat you that way, I bet you'll win them over. And who knows that through you, God might soften their heart. This is what it means to be a doer of the word. Third, how do we become doers of the word? Everybody still good? I'd like to check in every once in a while. Everybody getting it so far? Okay. Okay. It's simple, right? Nobody's confused, right? Okay. Okay. You know what's crazy is sometimes we can confuse ourselves because, like, again, what Jesus asked us to do is so simple. Like the simple acts of obedience 
that we like, we're like, well, I understand that, but let me go do this over here. And so we make it more complicated than it really is because we're trying to avoid the central issue of obedience. Y'all ever do that? Well, instead of doing that, let me do this. Well, how about just doing this? How about doing these simple things that God's asked us to do? We become doers of the word by exposing ourselves to the word of God. Now, let me talk just a minute about the word of God. And here's where that tree hugger part of me might come out. The word of God, the word that is translated word means logos or revelation of God. The word is the revelation of God. Now listen, many times we'll say this is the word of God. Now y'all hang with me, okay? This, we say this is the word of God. But actually scripture tells us that the word of God is Jesus himself. Jesus is actually the word of God. We call this the word of God because it is guilty by association. Because when we open the pages of Scripture, we actually find Jesus here. And because Jesus' presence is here, then this becomes the Word. But really, Jesus is the Word. And Jesus can show up anywhere because John, John tells us that everything that was ever created, things seen and unseen, were all spoken into existence through Jesus. Therefore, we can encounter the Word anywhere. The Word is the Bible, but the Word is not limited to the Bible because that's not the only way that God speaks to us. I heard a man preaching one time that said, if you, if you close the Bible, you close the mouth of God. If you open the Bible, you, you open the mouth of God. That sounds really good, but that's not true. We are so fortunate that we have this because it... It really makes it easier for us to hear God speaking. But y'all, God is always speaking in all times and in all places if we have ears to hear. Jesus is called the Word of God, which means that Jesus is the fullest and most articulate revelation that has ever fallen out of the mouth of God. And really, Jesus is at the center of all of God's revelation. John tells us again that nobody has seen God, but Jesus, the unique one who came from God, has shown us what God is like. So if we want to know what God's character is like, if we want to know what God's preferences are, we can look at Jesus, we can listen to the things he said, we can watch the things that he did, and we get to know the character of God. God also reveals himself through creation. In fact, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 1, he says, if, if, even if someone has never heard the gospel preached, even if someone has never read God's word, that person still does not have an excuse. Why? Because that person can look at the things that God has made and the very character of God can be discerned through creation. This is why I'm a tree hugger. Because I believe all of it is an expression of God. Everything that he created through Jesus is an expression of God. And if we look at it, it can draw us closer to him. I believe that. Now, I mentioned earlier that I work as a, as a prison chaplain. And at our prison, we have one tree. It's this huge willow oak. And it stands outside of one of the dorms. And this particular dorm doesn't have air conditioning. So it serves to put a little shade on the dorm. But it's also one of the few like natural real things that exist within that compound. That this is something real. Everything else is like concrete and steel. And so rumor got around that the administration was going to cut this tree down. For whatever reason they felt like it might fall or whatever it was. And I... 
it really got to me as a tree hugger. Because I'm thinking, man, God reveals himself through this tree. This is one of the only natural things that these men have access to. I don't want them to cut this tree down. So one day, like the Lorax, I walked into the warden's office. And I said, "Uh, sir, I need to speak with you. And he said, yes. And I was really nervous about this because I didn't know how this was going to go over. I said, I have, these are my, literally my words, I have a really weird favor to ask of you. And he said, huh? Okay, what is it? I said, you know that tree out there? And you actually see the tree through his office window. Yeah, I see it. Don't cut that tree down, sir. And he laughed and he said, why? And I began to tell him, well, you know, as this weird thing I kind of think that God reveals himself through the things that he made. And that's one of the only real things that's inside that fence over there. And I just think it's kind of sad if we cut it down. And he goes, okay, we won't cut it down. (laughs) So I'll say all that to say this. We make it easier on ourselves to become doers of the word the more that we expose ourselves to the word. And so we do this in several different ways because God speaks in several different places. We know that God speaks through scripture. We also know that he speaks sometimes through a still small voice, right? That the spirit of God actually dwells within us so God can actually speak to us from the inside. And don't forget that Jesus told the Pharisees, the Pharisees, y'all, the kingdom of God is within you. And that God speaks through creation as well. So by spending time in God's word, by, I think, to have a double dose, how about read God's word outside? Sit under a tree and read God's word. Then you have a double double dose of revelation. Sit in silence. This is something, again, that we don't do much in our society. Set everything else aside. Set your phone aside and spend some time in silence because God might be speaking to you within your own heart and you can't hear Him because of all the constant noise. And so we expose ourselves to the Word of God. And this conforms us into the image of the Word of God, His Son, Jesus The more we do this, the more natural it will become to manifest the word in our daily lives. And this is what it really is to be a doer of the word. We are manifesting, y'all. We get to manifest the presence of Jesus here upon the earth. But we can only do that if we expose ourselves to him consistently. So that we become possessed by him. A couple of comments in closing and then I'm done. The first is this. Practice what you preach. An ounce of practice is worth a pound of preaching. An ounce of practice, just a little bit of practice, is worth a whole lot of preaching. If you don't intend to practice it, don't preach it. Now, let me tell you, sometimes I preach things that I don't practice. But I at least intend on practicing them. (laughs) It's something that I know I need to practice, I just haven't got around to it yet. And so maybe by preaching it, I'll push myself into obedience. But if you have no intention whatsoever on practicing practicing these things and putting it into practice, then don't say anything about it. Because then you just confuse people. Because then you're just saying one thing and doing something else. And remember this, hearing alone does not save us. We are not saved by hearing the good news. We are saved by responding to the good news. And we respond to the good news by submitting to God And living a lifestyle of submission and obedience. Let's pray.
Father God, we thank you for your goodness to us. And we thank you for your presence here with us today. We thank you for the way that you speak to us. I pray that you'll help us to quiet our hearts so that we might hear your voice speak. Soften our hearts and make us humble, we pray. Bend us to your will. Make our hearts pliable. By the presence of Jesus dwelling within us, I pray that you'll give us the strength to live obedient lives here upon the earth, marked by compassion, forgiveness, and enemy love, and that it will become contagious. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the great healer. Amen.